Secure Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full informed investment decision. This is your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMV. Now, here's Joe Anderson and Big Al Clopine. Hey, welcome back uh, to the program. The show's called Your Money or Wealth. Joe Anderson and Big Al Colopine hanging out here. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in uh, right here on AM760 KFMB. I have four retirement account tax loopholes that could close soon. Clopine? Yeah, I think I know what they are. So, <clears throat> a couple big ones. One I think is the largest that I think will affect most is the five-year rule for inherited retirement plans. So a few things. You know Robert Kiyosaki? Yes, Kiyosaki sir. Yeah. Kiyosaki. Kiyosaki. Rich, rich Dad, Poor Dad. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yep. So he um, said that the market was going to crash in 2016. He made that prediction back in 2002. Oh, he did? Mm-hmm. Okay. You know what one of his main reasons was? It's all like demographics. De- demographics, yeah. yeah. He's Harry Dent type. Yeah. yeah. It's awful. <laughs> and one, you know, so it's like, okay, well, you know, the oldest baby boomer now is turning age 70 and a half this year. So they're going to have to start taking required distributions. Right. Right. And we hit it on this concept last week when it comes to required distributions. But I think some of the argument by some of these really bright minds are saying, all right, well, now they're going to take money out of the stock market. Right, because of all these required distributions, they're going to be selling all these stocks, and when all these stocks are sold, it's going to, right, have pressure on the overall markets because of supply and demand. If you're selling a lot, and sure, but here's the thing, folks: you don't have to sell your stocks when you do a required distribution. And if you look at the studies, most people that are taking required distributions now are not necessarily spending them. A lot of them are reinvesting them anyway. Right? That's correct. So it's not like, all right, all this money is going to come out of the stock market, and then that's going to depress the price. I mean, and then he said there's more with China, and then the QE1, 2, and 3, and things like that. But all these predictions, it, 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 no one can predict the future, right? Yeah, I mean, talk about predicting the future. We've talked to Larry Swedro about this, our friend that's uh, – he's a financial planner, CFPs. He's written probably, what, 12, 14 books on, on financial planning matters. Really smart guy. He's on our show maybe once every five, six weeks, something like that. He loves Harry Dent because <laughs> – he says, just love to read what Harry says because he knows the exact opposite is going to be true. Right. It's good fodder. I mean, it's good things to just laugh at. Yeah. Right? Um, so be careful with what you read and what you hear when it comes to you know these major crises. Um, um, they're, they're predictions, and that's how these people get paid is making predictions. And then they sell more books. And when they sell more books, they get paid more, and then they come up with another prediction, and then so yeah. on and so forth. Right, right. right. So, but... Here's one thing, and I don't think it, it, this is not going to. The, people reach an age 70 and a half is, in my opinion, this is my, you know, and I'm just a stupid kid from Minnesota, is is that it's not going to affect the stock market. It's going to affect people's balances because of taxes. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you have to take the money out of the IRA, you got to pay taxes on it. And I think. Probably the majority of people understand when they pull money out of their retirement accounts, they have to pay taxes, although we're, we're still surprised. I, I bet you at least 25% of the people we talk to, that's a shock. They had no idea they have to pay taxes on it. But even those those that are educated are shocked to find out what tax bracket they're going to be in retirement. Right. And it's, uh, you know what, if you haven't saved very much in your retirement accounts, don't worry about it. This doesn't affect you. Right. But if you have saved a lot of money in your retirement accounts, you have to pull it out starting at age 70 and a half, and you 
you are going to be in a fairly high tax bracket. And most people that have the large distributions that will be taking lots of dollars out of the market, if, if they didn't need it before, they probably don't need it now, so they're going to reinvest it. And so if you have money in an IRA, you have your stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and everything else in an IRA, and you have to take your required distribution of $20,000, well, you could take you know $20,000 worth of shares of whatever stock that you have and then just journal it into your brokerage account. Then April, you pay the tax on it out of cash. Right. So, so just it, – it, it's – Whatever. I could go on and on on this. But here's, I guess, my point is that the stretch IRA is now could be gone. And what that it's, is, yeah. is that it allows the non-spouse beneficiary to stretch out the tax liability over their life expectancy. So if a five-year-old, for instance, inherited a retirement account, of, of course, the executor of the state and the guardians, they, they have to take care of it, but it's based on the five-year-old's life expectancy. So now the account is still in the deceased's name for the benefit of the five-year-old. But the five-year-old, let's say, has 85-year life expectancy, so it has 80 years of life left. So they have to take a required distribution, but it's 180th out of the account, which is a very, very small percentage. So the rest of the corpus of the overall IRA can continue to grow tax-deferred. And then the next year, they have to pull a little bit more out, a little bit more out, and so on. So that is a huge deal because it can parlay wealth significantly to have all that money still grow tax-deferred and be sheltered from tax. However, now that um, we are getting older with people that have a lot of money in these retirement accounts, $24 trillion at last count, they're saying, hey, this stretch IRA is too good of a deal because these retirement accounts are meant for retirement, not wealth transfer. So potentially all of that money needs to be withdrawn within five years. All right. So they have they can take it all out, you know, the first year, they could wait until the fifth year, but the whole account needs to be drained out within a five year time period. So if you think of it like this, if you have I don't know, just throw a number out there, a million bucks, and then someone inherits that million dollars, well they have to distribute that thing out within five years. If they do it over five years, that's two hundred thousand bucks a year. Yeah, and that chances are that puts someone in a much higher much higher tax, tax bracket, bracket yeah. right? So let's say you're you're in your eighties, you have accumulated some money, and then it goes to a fifty year old, well, they're probably in their peak earning years, and then now the retirement accounts that you've built your entire life and saved are going to probably get um, you know, cut in half to taxes. So be careful there. That's why we think Roth IRA planning is significant because if you can control the amount of money that is tax deferred that will come out ordinary income versus tax deferred that will come out tax free, those are two different animals. And if you can take a little bit of your dollars and start converting them slowly into a Roth to have it grow tax free, when the kids inherit it, there's no tax. So if you don't care about the kids, which a lot of you might not, then who cares, right? Then they get blown up in tax. But if you're saying, hey, I've worked quite a bit for this, maybe I want to mitigate as much as I can to the IRS and then have more go to my kids, grandkids, nieces, nephews. If, it, if, if it's going to go to a charity, then, then don't worry about it there too because the charity can take the money out of the retirement account and don't worry about um, any type of taxation. So True. And so, yeah, the... 
the the bottom line is is it, it boils down to what you want to have happen with your IRA, especially if you don't necessarily need it. So let's say you're getting into years, and it's all about transferring to your kids. And if this stretch IRA rule goes away, and it's been on the chopping block for the last three years in terms of the budget, I don't know what's going to happen, but a lot of folks are saying that the stretch IRA, IRA will be eliminated at some point. So here's the thing is if you don't do anything, you have a large IRA, and let's, say, let's just say you have one kid, you have a couple million million dollar balance, then then one-fifth of it, or $400,000, has to come out each year in a high tax bracket. Now, with a Roth IRA, the money may still have to come out over five years, but it's tax-free. So now what you can do is you can control the taxation by doing Roth conversions now at your rate. And your rate actually may very well be lower than your kid's rate, particularly if the stretch IRA goes away. There's a lot of reasons that folks ought to be looking at Roth IRAs right now. And, and I guess one of the main ones is that 2010, they took the limitations Away so that anybody can convert. It used to be you had to make less than $100,000 to convert. Now everybody can convert, and there's so many situations where it does make sense to convert. One of the problems, Joe, is that there's publications out there that give rules of thumb. If you're older than 60, forget it. You don't have enough time. But that's ignoring the entire next generation. And these cookie-cutter articles that you read, they they throw so many people off on what they should and shouldn't be doing. Right. And <laughs> And we have found, Alan and I have found, is that the older you get, the more important this type of planning could be. Uh, because then you're, when you look at required distributions, what that does, so you cannot convert your required distribution. I think a lot of people get confused there. Well, when I'm older, right, with this distribution that's mandate that I have to pull it out, I'll just put it in a Roth end. No, that's a distribution. You cannot convert a required distribution. That has to go in your uh, qualify or non-qualified account or spend it. So a lot of things tax-wise that you want to make sure that you are abreast on to make sure that you save your nest egg. You do, and it, it, to me, it comes down to controlling your taxes in retirement. Uh, we'll be back in just a second. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the show. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Uh, my name's Joe Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner with Big Al Clopine. He's a CPA. Thanks for tuning in. Go to purefinancial.com. Uh, learn all you want about us. Uh, we got 300 some odd plus videos on there. If you want uh, a short snippet on something or a very long TV program, uh, we have it on that website. Al and I also do Your Money, Your Wealth uh, uh, TV show. Yes, we do. So we do a radio show, TV show. Uh, we so just started filming our third season. Third so s- look for some new episodes. Yeah, it's very exciting here We've, for us. We're through uh, three shows already. I think the, I think the first show is going to f- uh, air in San Diego. Um, I think uh, not this weekend, but next weekend, Sunday morning, 6.30 a.m. Yeah, CBS. Channel 8. Um, For years, some smart and savvy retirees have taken advantage of a handful of little-known strategies to claim their Social Security benefits. Rather than just taking their benefits at face value, they had a plan. They had a plan for how and when to claim their benefits. And as a result, it put tens of thousands of dollars of additional benefits in their pocket. No joke. For some, it's the equivalent of taking, I don't know, a five-star week-long vacation every single year for the rest of their lives. But here's the problem. In just a matter of weeks, those little-known claiming strategies are all going to come to a screeching halt. The government is changing the rules on how you're claiming your benefits, and the deadline is just around the corner. For those who are eligible, you have a very short window to take action. But if you don't, you're just leaving what could be a small fortune on the table. When it comes to these new rules, 
you have to act now. So let me explain what they are. There are two benefits that are going away. One is called a restricted application. I'm gonna start there. If you are over 62 years of age, you can still do a restricted application. Let me repeat that. If you're over 62 years of age, you had to turn 62 though by the end of 2015. So if your 62 birthday was in 2015 or over, you qualify for a restricted application. What a restricted application does is allows you to take a spousal benefit, okay? So you could claim it on your current spouse if you're married or if you are single but have an ex-spouse and have been married to that individual for more than 10 years, you qualify. So if you're over 62 by end of 1231 of 2015, you're married or were married to someone for over 10 years, you qualify for a restricted application. I don't care what the Social Security Administration tells you, you <laughs> you're in. Now, what the restricted application allows you to do, it allows you to claim the spousal benefit. So let's say I'm married, I'm 62 years of age, and my spouse is claiming their social security benefit. I say, all right, maybe you wait until full retirement age, maybe you take it at 62, it doesn't matter. I would encourage you probably to wait till full retirement age to do this. So let's say I'm over 62 by the um, end of last year. Now I turn full retirement age, 66, a couple of months. I'm married, my spouse is claiming their benefit, and I'm like, you know what? I don't wanna take my benefit yet. I wanna to continue to let my benefit grow till age 70. So I can claim a restricted application. What that means is that now I can claim my sp spousal benefit. The spousal benefit is half your spouse's, all right? So your spouse's benefit is $3,000 at their full retirement age. Your spousal benefit would be 1,500 bucks a month. So you can claim the $1,500 a month, the spousal benefit, and let your benefit, your own retirement benefit, continue to grow by the 8% delayed retirement credit the Social Security Administration gives you. So you take it at your full retirement age. Instead of taking your own benefit, you will take the spousal benefit. You will let yours continue to grow until, let's say, age 70. Then you turn off the spousal benefit. You turn on your benefit and then live happily ever after. So that's the restricted application. So if you um, turn 62 years of age by 1231 of 2015, you still qualify to take that restricted application. You can take it on an ex-spouse as long as you are married to that ex-spouse for 10 years um, or if you are currently married. So that's one that is going away. So if you're not 62, then that benefit is no longer available to you. So just to be clear, you can t st if you're younger than 62, by the time you get to full retirement age, you can still take a spousal benefit. You just can't do a restrictive application and let your benefit continue to grow. No. What happens then if I'm under 62 years of age? It's called deemed. It's a deemed benefit. What well, All that means is this, is that they will give you the higher of the two. Right. So let's say I'm like, all right, well, because the restricted application, what actually that means, Al, is that you can, instead of taking yours and letting yours grow, you're just taking the spousal. Right. Okay. So if let's say I'm younger than 62, I, I turned 62 this year. All right. So I can no longer ever claim a restricted application. I can still have a spousal benefit Correct. if I never had my own benefit. But if my benefit is higher than the spousal benefit, 
they're going to give me mine. Yeah, I understand. So, so let me, yeah, part two of what I was going to say was that that's right. So it's, it's whichever benefit is higher is the one you take. So if your benefit is higher than half of your spouse's, you got to take your benefit. Correct. Right? If your spouse, if half your spouse's benefit is higher than yours, you can take that. You can take the higher of the two. Correct. It's just that you can't, no, you can't do this, this thing where people were filing this restrictive application. To let theirs grow. And taking half their spouses and letting theirs grow, regardless of whether it was higher than half the benefit. So that's what's going away, right? You got it. You got right. it, right? Right. So if I say, hey, I, uh, the spousal benefit is still there. Right. But I just can't. If my benefit is higher than the spousal benefit, they're going to give me my own. Yeah, exactly. All yeah. Right. There, there's no, you know, some people call this kind of gaming the system. In other words, you kind of got this free money while you let your own benefit grow. And so that's what's going away. The other benefit is um, file and suspend. And with file and suspend, you still have a deadline. You have to be full retirement age or older by April 28th. April 28th is the deadline for you to file for your benefit and suspend them. Why would you want to do that? Because for your spouse to claim the restricted application, you either need to be claiming your own benefit or filed for your benefit and then suspend them. So if you want to continue to let yours grow, right, and say, I don't want to take mine, but I want my spouse to take the spousal benefit, well, you're going to have to, right, that's where file and suspend came into play. You filed for your benefits, then you suspend them. The, the, the spouse was able then to claim that restricted application. But now for the spouse to claim the spousal, you would have to claim if yeah. you are under full retirement age by April 28th. So if you are um, over the full retirement age or full retirement age by April 28th, so what's that, a month and a half, you still can go to the Social Security Administration and file for your benefit and suspend them. Because for years, smart and savvy retirees have taken advantage of these benefits. These benefits added tens of thousands of dollars. It's in their pocket. But like I said, just in a matter of weeks, the government is pulling the plug, all right? So the good news is you still have time um, if you're grandfathered in, but you have to act right now, okay? You, you, you risk leaving a small fortune behind. Got to take another break. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Now back to Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 AFMB. Welcome back to the program. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Uh, my name's Joe Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner with Big Al Clopine. He's a CPA. Thanks for tuning in today. Uh, go to our website at purefinancial.com if you'd like. Now, talking Social Security, deadline's right around the corner. Yes. The government kind of pulled the rug from us, changed the laws. And so for some of you, um, you have to act quickly. So I just went through that. Um, if you missed it, you can listen to a podcast or go to purefinancial.com and go to our webinar. Right. Uh, but we're talking about the restricted application. Uh, so you need to be 62 years of age or older, still still qualify for a restricted application. And then uh, 62, if you turn 62 by 1231 of 2015. Now, if you're looking at, if you're full retirement age and you haven't claimed your benefits yet, or if you are full retirement age, are going to be full retirement age before April 28th is the deadline. Um, I encourage you then to file for your benefits and suspend. 
uh, because that's the last time you'll be able to do that. File and suspend is going away and you got until April 28th to do this. Now, here's a few things. Is that still, Al, I mean, you've seen the studies, is that most people still take their Social Security benefit as soon as they can take it. Yeah, the majority. I think the last study we saw, Joe, I think the, the people that take it at 70, which is the last uh, year that you can take it and still have increased benefits, is it's about 2%. Mm-hmm. It's not very high. And the, and the truth is waiting is actually going to be the best answer for many because every single year you wait, as you say, Joe, particularly after uh, full retirement age, which currently is 66, you get an 8% credit. In other words, your benefit is 8% higher the following year by not taking it, and then 8% after that. So but, but by waiting between 62 and, or 66, I'm sorry, and 70, you're going to have an additional 32%, or third again as much. So in other words, if you were going to get about 30000 a year, it's more like forty thousand a year. Right. And that's a lot. That's a lot because that goes for the rest of your life and it's indexed for inflation. And by the way, it's kind of tax efficient, right? Because worst case, it's 85% of it's taxable. In some cases, none of it's taxable. And in California, it's all tax-free. So having that higher income being tax efficient, that's pretty good. Right. So this is where the planning comes into play for a lot of you. And I get it. It's like there's some, you know, hey, I think it's going to go bust. It's not going to be around. It's not going to be there. So I'm going to... If you need the money, and I know a lot of individuals need the money as soon as they can get it, then take it. But I'm telling you, if you're retiring at 62 today, because that's the earliest you can claim Social Security, I think you might have to take a look at your overall plan. Um, Because we ask this question all the time, why are you retiring at this age? Well, that's when I can get my retirement. That's when I'm supposed to retire. No, you have to make sure, do you have enough assets to maintain your same lifestyle? Right? Do you have um, an, an investment strategy to make sure that you're preserving your capital as well as creating the income that you need? Do you have a tax plan to make sure that you're mitigating every ounce of tax possible from that? So you can't look at this so short-sighted because, I mean, when you're 62, what's another couple of years? Right? If you can work another two years, three years, I mean, that's a huge, huge difference. So first of all, if you're planning on retiring at 62 without any other strategy or any other plan, to make sure that A, you can retire at 62, I would encourage you to do a little mathematics, okay? Secondly, is that the longer you wait, like Al just said, the better off you're gonna be from an income standpoint. So maybe you take your money out of your retirement accounts to live off of and let your social security grow. I think that might be a better strategy if your main focus is retirement. Now, if you say, hey, I wanna leave a lasting legacy and I wanna give a bunch of money to the kids and things like that, well, no, you might have to tweak the numbers. Because what happens there is that, all right, well, you know, if you, you die prematurely and you take some assets from your overall retirement plan and you don't make it to age 70, well, then the kids are going to get less because there's no lump sum at the end with your Social Security if you die prematurely. True. If you die prematurely, it's done. Too bad. I, I guess if you knew when you are going to die. Perfect. This would be easier, Easy, wouldn't it? man. Easy math. <laughs> so looking at this is that, all right, well, here, let's say you do retire at 65, 66. Okay? You took our advice and worked another couple of years. You're like, okay, well, now I'm full retirement age, 66. So let's claim the benefit. And I get why you want to do this. I do. I've been doing this close to 20 years. And I understand the the emotional impact when people retire is that they want to feel at least some level of consistent income coming in the door. Because you're giving up your paycheck that, all right, was deposited right in your checking account every two weeks or every month or whatever it is. And there was that, right, 
familiarity with money going in. Even though the Social Security check is probably going to be significantly less than what you're currently making for a lot of you, you still take it just so you have at least the necessities taken care of. You know, I've got a couple thousand dollars a month guaranteed coming in, and then I can, you know, draw from my other accounts. All right. But if you look at it this way and say, you know what, hey, push that thing out to get 133% increase on your overall benefit. That's a lot, right? Like Al said, if it's 30,000, it turns to 40 grand. You have to look at inflation. You have to take a look at taxes. Take money from your retirement accounts in that given time period, right? Bleed out that ordinary income tax, and then you have a lot larger benefit that is extremely tax efficient for the most part. It is, Joe. And, and the other thing that we tell folks is that if you're married, it's a really good idea for the spouse that has the highest benefit to wait as long as you possibly can, hopefully to age 70. Why is that? Well, because first of all, while you're both living, you will enjoy that higher benefit. But when one of you passes, let's say the high, higher wage earner, passes, then the spouse will get the survivor benefit, which is equal to the same as the spouse that passed away. So it's a way to take care of your, your spouse if you pass away, and you never know which one is going to outlive the other. That's, that's, that's a real important thing. But taxation, boy, that's, that's another big thing, because a lot of people don't realize how Social Security is taxed. And Joe, there's this thing called provisional income. Okay. Okay. Because some people don't pay any tax on Social Security, and some people pay tax on 85% of their Social Security at their tax rate, which is probably the 15% bracket. Could be 25, could be 28, whatever. Okay, so here's how it goes. You, you look at your provisional income, which is your adjusted gross income before Social Security. Bottom of your first page, add back Social Security if you already have it. So that's your starting point, and then add your tax-exempt interest and half of your Social Security. That's your uh, provisional income. And if you are married, filing jointly, if that figure is under $32,000, there's no tax to pay. If it's between $32,000 and $44,000, you've got to pay up to 50%. That's not a tax rate. Up to 50% of your Social Security is taxable. And then if it's over $44,000, then uh, up to 85% of your Social Security income is subject to your current tax rate. Now, if you're single, those numbers are $25,000. Below that, it's taxed at zero. Twenty-five dollars to $34,000, it can be taxed up to 50%. And over $34,000, it's taxed up to 85%. Where this gets tricky, Joe, is it's not just this all of a sudden thing where it flips from 50 to 85%. It gradually increases. And what happens is as you go over these levels, an extra dollar of income, which you have to pay tax on, causes more of your Social Security income to be taxable. And you think you're maybe in a 15% bracket because you're paying tax on two different things at the same time. It feels more like a 27, 28% tax. And there is so much planning that you can do to make sure that you're not paying these higher tax rates rates. And for those of you that are, are way past the 15% bracket, it's still important to do this kind of planning because if you don't, you end up paying as much or more taxes through your retirement than even your working years because you required minimum distributions and all that sort of thing. So, uh, Joe, I think the, the real crux of this is a lot of people don't realize that they have any control over paying their taxes but it's not true. In fact, you have more control over how much you pay in taxes in retirement than any other time in your life. But your stockbroker, your financial advisor, even your CPA don't understand how to lower your taxes in retirement because it's not their expertise. The only way to lower your taxes is by having a forward-looking tax-efficient strategy. 
All right, we got to take a break. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. My name's Joe Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner. I'm with uh, Alan Klopine. He's a CPA. Uh, thanks for tuning in today. What we're talking about uh, right now is Social Security. And then on the last segment, we're talking about ta uh, taxation on Social Security. And I think it's important to kind of recap some of the things here because... Um, if you do the appropriate planning, if you understand how this works, you could save significant dollars on your taxes. And where do you think tax rates are going to go? Do you think they're going to go down or do you think they're going to go up? If you think they're going to go up, then planning is even that much more important. Because when you look at what people focus their energy on when it comes to their retirement, I would say most of it is geared for what their investments are in, right? You could be an average Joe Schmo investor, right? But if you save money in, uh, on the taxes, you're going to probably be 95% ahead of the game, right? Absolutely. And then the problem there, too, is behavior. So if you just fo focus on if your confidence in your strategy and you save tax and you don't get in and out of the overall markets and lose a lot of money on the table because of you trying to time the market, um, you will be significantly better off because the average rate of return of the S&P or the U.S. markets over the last 20 years is what? Close to 9%. The average rate of return for an average investor is about 3%. That's a 6% differential. So if you just stayed in the market over 20 years, you would have got a 9% compound annual return. But most of us got a 3% or 3.5%. So just think about additional 6% on your money over 20 years. Huge. Now, what about taxes? Taxes will add another 1% to 2% potentially of added return because you're giving that much less to Uncle Sam. And then when you're looking at Social Security, you want to throw another wrench in here. How confusing is all of this? It, it, and if you look at the numbers, Al, is that I got this statistic for you. I, thought, I think you'll like this. Good. All right. All right. The truly staggering numbers involved how much in Social Security benefits was subject to tax out of a total of $553.5 billion in benefits listed Taxpayers included more than $24.3 billion in their taxable income. Taking $24.3 billion and dividing by $55.3 billion works out to a benefit-weighted average of 44% of American taxpayers. Yes, interesting. I would say that that's skewed significantly. If they take a weighted average, 44% well, sure. of Americans pay taxes on their Social Security. I would say it's a heck of a lot less than that. Right, because there's a lot of people that they're just solely living off of their social security well, and retirement. Correct, Joe. So that so let's yeah, let's put this into perspective, right? So a lot of people probably Probably half of the people out there are living only on their Social Security. I mean, it's it's a pretty big number. It's probably even more than that, right. but it's a it's a big, big number. number. So that tells be compliant. It's a huge number. It's a big <laughs> number. Yeah, yeah, we don't know exactly because we don't have it in front of us for the second. However, the thing is, so they don't pay any taxes on their Social Security because I just went through that last segment. They don't have enough income to have it be taxable. So you got if you take all those people out, I bet you it's about eighty percent. You know, 80, 70, 80 percent of Social Security's tax. We just went over. It can be as high as 85 percent. And I'll tell you, most of you guys, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be 85 percent of it is going to be taxable. So let's go through that again, because to calculate whether some of your Social Security will be treated as taxable income, you first have to take all other sources of income. You got to look at your wages, investment income, taxable, uh, private pensions, and then add in half of your Social Security income. If the result is greater than the first threat of, uh, threshold, and then that threshold is uh, $25,000, all right? So that's if you're single, then 34 if you are married. Is that right, Al? Uh, I think it's 32. 
Well, that I'm, I got 2016. You got 2016? Uh, I think so. All right. Well. No, 32. I'm sorry. 32, 32 and 44. Yes. All that's right. what I got. Yeah, so we're together. Oh, big Al. 32. <laughs> My bad. I was looking at 44 and I said 34. All right. So then 50% of your benefit is subject to tax. Once you're over that first threshold, then the additional dollar after that is taxed at um, additional 35% to make it 85%. Right. And so I would say most of our listeners, most of you out there, are probably going to live off of more than 30000 40000 bucks a year. Right. If you include half of your Social Security benefits, right? If you're married and you, both you and your spouse have worked and maybe you've maxed out your benefits, so that could be sixty thousand dollars of combined Social Security income. There, half of that's thirty grand. It's pretty difficult to live in Southern California and make less than that. Those thresholds were originally established in 1984. Right. They were designed to include only a small number of higher income taxpayers. But guess what? Those thresholds have not been indexed for inflation. And so over more than 30 years, the number of Americans affected by the provision has risen dramatically. In 2013, most recent year uh, for uh, IRS data is available, more than 27 million taxpayers uh, included Social Security benefits in their tax, uh, on their tax returns. Uh, so that's a lot. And that's probably our listeners. Yes, I would say so. You know, um, I would imagine a lot of our listeners um, have assets. They have they're they're trying to create a retirement income. And some of our listeners, they they just think, well, Social Security, you know what? It's gravy. Don't think that either, because if you look at the number of the if you if you calculate how much money that is due to you, I mean, it it could be over a million dollars. Yeah, and it's not chump change. You can look at it this way: if your annual benefit is going to be $40,000, let's just say. That's equivalent to having a million to maybe $1.3 million to create that income stream. That, that's significant. Right. I mean, last time I knew, a million bucks was a lot. It's a lot of money. It's a ton of money. And if you could get that million dollars back to you in the form of an income stream that's tax efficient, because when, when you look at provisional income, Al, um, and what provisional income is, again, is that th- just take a look at all of your income sources and then add half of your Social Security. So pensions, 401k distributions, municipal bond interest, um, you know, pension, whatever, right? right? Add all that stuff up. And then half of your Social Security benefits. That's going to be your provisional income. What is not included in provisional income is, guess what? Yeah, that's going to be your Roth IRA distributions. Boom, right? Yeah. So if I have a Roth IRA, those dollars that come out of a Roth IRA is not included in that provisional income. So uh-huh. a lot of our listeners have been doing Roth IRA contributions and conversions because they're looking ahead, right? They're saying, you know what? This is my asset base. Here's my income base. And if I can get more money into Roth, then when I start pulling those dollars out, I have a, di- a diversified tax strategy to create the retirement income. And that diversified strategy is not only going to save me money in ordinary income tax in the state of California tax, but guess what? It's going to reduce the amount of money that potentially my Social Security is going to be taxed. I mean, we've done planning for clients that we were able to move almost 90, 80% of their retirement accounts into Roths over the last six years. That's significant now when they get their Social Security payments, right? Because the capital gains rate, if you're in the 15% tax bracket, it's zero. 
So we told our clients, so like push your social security out to age 70. Let's live off of some brokerage assets that you have and let's do massive conversions. Now they got most of their retirement accounts in, in Roths. So that's going to be tax free to them. Their social security benefit is pushed off to age 70. They still maintain the lifestyle that they wanted from, you know, when they re- their retirement date of 65 to 70 or 62 to say, well, whatever it is. But now they have assets in a brokerage account that would be taxed at 15%. Guess what? There is no capital gains rate in the 15% level. They're taking distributions from their Roth IRAs and they have a lot larger social security benefit and most of their income is tax-free and they're probably generating a hundred plus thousand dollars of income. That's planning. It is planning, Joe. And, and taxes don't really stop when your paycheck does. And a lot of people kind of don't realize that. Uh, in fact, tapping your retirement nest egg comes with all sorts of new rules and opportunities. Instead of contributing to tax-deferred accounts that reduce your taxes, you'll start tapping those savings for income and paying taxes at your regular rate, unless you're tapping into a Roth IRA. And this is what we want you to be thinking about right now. All right. Have a wonderful weekend, everyone. We'll be back again next week. Same time, same place. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth, right here on AM 760 KFNB.